Jill, I am so glad to be here today to hear how the Holy Spirit is using you. And when I was listening to you talk, I thought about the 10 healthy missional markers that I know Jason's been talking about. And these are the ways that we measure a healthy missional church. And when I was hearing you talk, I thought about global perspective and engagement. I thought about transforming communities through active compassion, mercy, and justice ministries. And then I thought about intentional evangelism, how other people who don't know the Lord are interested in this kind of stuff. And it's really making a difference in the world. And I want to encourage you to use these 10 healthy missional markers as a way to measure how the Holy Spirit is working in and through the life of your church, in your community, and all over the world. Do you know how most churches measure fruitfulness? By bodies, bucks, and bricks. And that's capitalistic. That is not holistic or scriptural. You know what I mean? And so these ten markers flow right out of the scriptures. And I was thinking about three out of the ten, Jill, when you were speaking. Praise God for your ministry. And then I want to thank you for walking the congregational vitality pathway. Last year you sent a few people to navigate, which was the kickoff of a journey for established churches to walk to become healthy and missional. And by healthy, we mean pursuing Christ. By missional, we mean pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And as Jason said, this is a process that takes a while. We didn't get into a situation overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight either. And I want to encourage you, you put your hand to the plow and not look back, as Jesus said, but to keep moving forward to become a healthy missional Church, And this brochure explains some of the work that we do in congregational vitality. My role as a director of congregational vitality is to come alongside churches and help them become healthy and missional. And again, by healthy, we mean pursuing Christ. By missional, we mean pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And on the back of this brochure, we've identified four types of established churches in the covenant, of which you're a part of our family. And today I want to thank you for our partnership in the gospel. So I bring you greetings from covenant offices in Chicago, and I'm so thankful for our partnership together in this gospel that is growing and bearing fruit all over the world. Well, there are four types of churches in the covenant. We talked about this yesterday, and some of you may know about this. There are healthy missional churches. That's our prayer that every church would become a healthy missional church. Then there are stable churches, critical moment churches, and at-risk churches. And we don't want the critical moment church to make it their goal to become a stable church. We want the critical moment church to move directly to healthy and missional. Does that make sense? There are a lot of good things about stable. When I'm flying, I love those friendly, stable skies. You know, don't get me wrong. But maybe there are too many good things about a stable church, if you know what I'm saying. So I want to encourage you to keep moving forward to reach your full kingdom potential in Christ. And by the way, it's not about trying. It's about training. If you're trying, you're dying. Somebody told me that who's an addiction counselor. If you're trying, you're dying. Following Jesus is not about trying. It's about training and learning how to live our lives as his Padawans. Any Star Wars fans here? Yeah, Padawans of Jesus. We learn to live our lives. All right, buddy. We learn to live our lives as if Jesus were living them for us. We don't try to be like Jesus. We train to be like Jesus. Paul said to Timothy, he did not say try to be godly. 
He said, train to be godly. You don't try to play football. You train to play football. You don't try to play piano. You train to play piano. See the difference between trying and training? Trying is about legalism. But training is about following Jesus as His apprentice and learning how to live our lives as if He were living them for us. Is this making sense? You see, this is the Gospel of Jesus. The Gospel of Jesus is not the Gospel of sin management that says, I'm just going to get saved and go to heaven when I die. That's not the Gospel, the full Gospel of Jesus. That's the Gospel of sin management. Just get your sins forgiven, avoid sin, and you'll be fine. No, it's not just about avoiding sin. It's about becoming more and more like Jesus and actually doing good in this world. Are you with me on this? And so I really want to encourage you today to allow this gospel about following Jesus to really capture your heart and imagination. It's not about trying. It's about training. And that's true for us as a congregation too, not just for individuals, but we don't want congregations to try to become healthy and missional. We want them to enter into a pathway of wellness that will help them become healthy and missional along the way. My sister Edie has breast cancer. She's 54 years old and she's been going through treatment. And you know, they didn't put her on a program like take this one pill and you're done, like a quick fix solution. They put her on, listen now, a pathway to wellness. A pathway to wellness. And that's what the Congregational Vitality Pathway is all about. It's a pathway to wellness. And that wellness is to become a healthy missional church. Well, I'm sort of giving you a review from yesterday, and I want to share with you a really special scripture uh, in my life. You know, a lot of these parables that Jesus taught can be applied to congregational vitality, not just the vitality of a person's heart, but the vitality of a congregation. By the way, vitality is not the goal. It's simply a byproduct of two things the moving of the Holy Spirit, and doing good ministry over a long period of time. If you make vitality the goal, you'll end up using people instead of blessing people. Vitality is simply a byproduct of the moving of the Holy Spirit and doing good ministry over a long period of time. Does that make sense? Awesome. So turn with me to this parable of Jesus in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. And we're going to apply this today not just to individuals, but to entire congregations. This parable appears in a section of Scripture where Jesus is saying, you don't have all the time in the world to repent. You don't have all the time in the world to come and start to follow Me. There's a sense of urgency, like repent or perish. And you can feel this in this passage of Scripture in this story. That's the foundation of this story. Verse 6, Then He told this parable, A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down! Why should it use up valuable soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. 
and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This parable is so full of meaning and significance for congregational vitality. And I want to point out a few of the dynamics of vitality in this particular story. The first dynamic at play is this concept of truth. <laughs> well, you know, we could if you want to have a party after church. We could play Pictionary. But uh, truth. You can see truth coming out in this parable in two ways. First, there's an assessment that's made. And again, when we were starting this ministry seven years ago, I was a pastor for 21 years before I was asked to start this ministry. I didn't, I didn't see the Scriptures through these lenses. But over the last seven years, working with hundreds of churches all over the world, I'm beginning to see this with fresh new eyes. That if we're going to become a healthy missional church, we've got to be able to tell the truth and assess our current reality and our trajectory. And by the way, where your church is headed is more important than where your church is now. And that will, evil give you, that will either give you despair or hope, depending on the trajectory of that arrow. Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, that's reality, and the truth will set you free, that's vitality. So in this story, there's... Somebody's speaking the truth. Someone's got the guts to say it. This fig tree is not bearing any fruit. There. It's out on the table. You can't deny it anymore. There's an assessment that is made that this fig tree is not bearing fruit. Is this, is this clear so far? Now, there's another way that we see truth being played out in this parable, and it's through accountability. Why should this tree use up valuable soil? You see, because when you own a vineyard or a garden, you want every single square inch to yield fruit and bear a great harvest, right? So if it's going to be in this vineyard, it's got to produce for the master. That land is valuable, and every piece of it needs to bear fruit. And so there's some level of accountability involved that if this tree is going to be in my vineyard, it better be fruitful. Is this making sense so far? And we can see this dynamic of truth flowing in and out of this story. But that's not all there is. Not only does a church need to be able to tell the truth about themselves, like here's where we are, whether we're healthy, missional, stable, critical moment and at risk, and here's where we're headed, and there's some sense of accountability involved, like this. This church is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. David Blesh says, listen to me carefully now, the church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. In other words, this church is not an end to in itself. It's a means to an end. And so there's some level of accountability that the Spirit of God has upon this church to fulfill its full kingdom potential and bear fruit in this world. And the way I define fruit is simply this. Fruit is human activity 
touched by the Holy Spirit. Fruit is human activity touched by the Holy Spirit. Well, it's not just truth. It's also grace. And we see this dynamic at play when the owner of the vineyard says, Hey man, I've been coming for three years hoping to find fruit on this fig tree. So this grace, this is about patience and long-suffering. In other words, that owner wasn't looking for a quick-fix solution. Come on, baby. We want fruit in six months. No, he was patiently caring for that tree and hoping and praying for that tree to be fruitful over three years. That's patience. That's long-suffering. Now, it's really fascinating to me that these fig trees had two fruit-bearing seasons every year. So it wasn't just three years. It was six fruit-bearing seasons that this owner was waiting patiently, gracefully, for this fig tree to fulfill its purpose, which was produce figs. So patient. And friends, when it comes to congregational vitality, we've got to show each other grace. We've got to allow time. We've got to be patient with the process. So many churches just want the quick fix. I call it the Jack and the Magic Beanstalk Complex. Just give me the five magic beans, we'll throw it into the soil of our church, and presto, abracadabra. In six months, we'll have a healthy missional church. Friends, quick fix solutions don't work when it comes to congregational vitality. It's a process that takes place over a long period of time. It's not a program. It's a pathway to wellness. It's organic, not programmatic. And we've got to be graceful with each other. Now, these are really important to Jesus because in John 1, 14 and 17, it says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And we see grace and truth being played out in John chapter 8 when Jesus is talking with the woman caught in adultery. Because Jesus is full of truth, He can say, go and sin no more. But because Jesus is full of grace, He can say, neither do I condemn you. See how truth and grace are personified in the person of Jesus. And I'm praying that they become personified in the body of Christ, His church. Let's tell the truth about our current condition and reality and trajectory, and let's speak that truth in a graceful, loving, patient, long-suffering manner. There's a third dynamic or principle of vitality at play here, and it's time. Let's give it one more year. And so if this church, if this, <laughs> there's a Freudian slip, <laughs> if this tree could talk, what do you call it when you assign human characteristics to inanimate objects? Anthropomorphisms. If this tree could talk, you know what it would say? Whew! I dodged that, I got another year! And then it would say in its second breath, OMG, I only have one more year. 
And if I don't get it together in this next year, I may not be around anymore. So there's some sense of relief, but there's some sense of, wow, we got to get it together. There's time involved. Again, it takes time for the tree to respond. And there's one more year that it has to make, it, make, make itself fruitful. Well, there's another principle, and it's called effort and intervention. And the gardener says, look, in this year I'm going to dig around it, I'm going to turn over the soil, and I'm going to introduce some outside nutrients or some fertilizer, and then we'll see what happens in, in a year. But thanks for this year, because it's going to take time for this stuff to interact with the roots. Now, you know what fascinates me about this gardener's effort and intervention? He doesn't massage the bark or dust the leaves or talk to the tree. He looks underneath the surface of things and he deals with the subterranean issues. Because he knows that if this tree is going to be fruitful, we've got to take care of the roots the things underneath the surface that are not readily apparent to other people. Jesus said, learn to judge correctly by looking underneath the surface of things. So there's a lot of subterranean things that go on in the life of the church that are unspoken, but they prevent a church from becoming healthy and missional. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say here? And if you want to become a healthy missional church, I'm not talking about digging up the worst of the past. I'm talking about being able to speak the truth in love and look at those things that have characteristically held our church back from becoming healthy and missional that no one really wants to talk about. It's sort of the proverbial elephant in the room. We all know it's there, but no one really wants to talk about it. And unless we're willing to deal with those hidden underlying subterranean issues of a church, because we all have them in a church, we probably won't become healthy and missional. Effort and intervention. Folks, we don't drift into vitality. A church makes a decision to become healthy and missional. Dallas Willard, who taught some of my doctoral work, said, we don't drift into discipleship. We make a decision to follow Jesus. And then we are in the process of becoming like Jesus. And there comes a point where we've got to show effort and intervention. Dallas Willard said, grace is not opposed to effort, only earning. Let me repeat that. Grace is not opposed to effort. Jesus said, make every effort to, to please the Father. Jesus was not opposed to effort. He was opposed to earning. See the difference? And so it's okay to give effort and intervention for your church to become healthy and missional. And then last, warning. And again, this flows from a sense of urgency. You have one more year to turn this around. And so, oftentimes, like in a stable church, we won't see urgency. You know what we'll see? Complacency. Hey, we don't have to change. We're doing fine. Stable's our goal. 
Now, hear me, there are a lot of good things to being stable. It's part of being healthy and missional, but it's not the whole story. Sometimes what you were saying, Jill, it can become a comfort zone, and I just so admire you willing to break out of your comfort zone. And that's that micro story right there of Jill breaking out of his comfort zone for Jesus is what it means for a stable church to move forward to become healthy and missional. And I see that, and I tasted that today during your uh, report on mission and ministry. That was so awesome. So we see these principles at work. What's the truth or current reality? Can we say that in a loving way? Are we giving time for these efforts to really make a difference? And is there effort intervention and... You know, we don't have all the time in the world. There's a sense of urgency versus complacency about this. I was teaching this in San Diego, California a couple years ago, and the pastor asked me, what is a fig tree doing in a vineyard? I go, well, that's a very good question. Thank you for asking that. So I did some study on it. And I lived in Saudi Arabia for two years, and and they have walls around these vineyards and stuff. And oftentimes these owners would plant a fig tree which is famous for big leaves, right? So these fig trees would provide a lot of shade and the owners would often plant it by the well. So the fig tree would provide shade for the workers. But in this particular case, at siesta time, but in this particular case, this fig tree was providing shade for the workers but it wasn't producing any fruit for the master in the marketplace. Stable churches are leafy, providing shade for their own constituents, but they're not very fruitful out in the marketplace for their master. Oh, they're providing a lot of good comfort, and don't get me wrong, that is awesome. Because Jesus talked about comfort and how we're to comfort others with the comfort that we've received. That's important. But that's not the whole story. Stable churches are leafy fig trees.